Tinder and Steinberg in the afternoon. Brought to you by Glenmore Audi. Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're looking to see if there's ways that we can help ourselves um, in a way that makes sense. You know, um, chasing it with, with um, as you've heard me say many, many times, chasing it with, you know, high prices for rental players is, I don't know if that's, um, you know, that's a direction that we're uh, in favor of. But if there's ways to help us, we certainly want to try to do it. Um, next few days we'll determine that that was brad Treliving yesterday as the nhl trade deadline gets closer and look at this time of year you're not going to get a ton from a general manager and and you probably shouldn't expect to get a ton from a general manager at this time of year but you know we didn't get a chance to talk too much about what uh, brad had to say and and where he is heading into the trade deadline that's the final time that we're going to hear from him before monday as we understand it and so he joined the morning show yesterday with boomer and the boys and then did a media availability here at the dome yesterday gave us the update on mark giordano which was big news that you know he thought thinks that he's probably got a chance to play on this road trip going to travel on the road trip at the very least which is definitely good news but yeah you're not going to get a ton from a general manager at this time of year as you'd understand but few things that brad said yesterday that jumped off the page to me starting with this so again brad is outstanding at not this is not an insult this is like he is a very very talented man at not telling you a whole lot and it is like he gives you a little bit, but as you'd expect, this guy this guy likes to keep things very close to the vest, always has. Um, the, the Flames organization does a pretty darn good job of keeping things under wraps, and, and not a whole lot gets out most of the time before the Flames are able to announce things. So... That is that is how Brad likes to run the business, likes to keep things as close to the vest as humanly possible. I respect it. I understand it. If I were a GM, that's probably how I would want to go about my business. But sometimes I think you can read between the lines and, and get an idea at the very least of you know which way he might be leaning on certain things. So here's a little bit more from Brad True Living on the deadline approach for Monday and leading up to Monday. So it's great to say let's go get... You know, let's go. Let's go help the team. We we certainly like to do that, but who are we talking about, and what's the cost of those things? So, um, we still got a lot of hockey to play. We're still in. Uh, you know, we're, we're we've played some really good hockey. Like I, I looked at something the other day. I think January twentieth. I think we've got the eighth best record in the in the league, second in the West. Um, so, as much as there's been. Um, lots of talk about inconsistency, and there has been a lot of that. We're still in a position where, where it's right there for us. Um, but you you have to measure that with what what really is available, what can make an impact, what does it do to your team, um, and what's the cost of doing that. So, you know, you just you keep making calls and you keep fielding calls and you just keep seeing if there's a fit there to help you. But... Um, you know, emptying the clip for something that may or may not have an impact on your team. Certainly, I don't think that's the the plan that we want to undertake. So, and it's that last sentence right there where emptying the clip to bring in something that might not be a long-term fit on the team. That's not necessarily the way we want to go, to paraphrase what Brad said there right at the end. 
that to me was was so was somewhat interesting. From listening to that, does not sound like a big name, high priced talent is necessarily a big big name, high priced rental talent is not necessarily in the cards. And I think that's important to, to underline because I think Brad will absolutely try to be aggressive. I think that the GM will try to make his team better. But I it doesn't it does not or at least I don't get the sense that he's looking to spend the type of assets that one of these high-end rentals is truly going to cost. And I think that Chris Kreider, most likely the, the hottest name on the trade docket for this year, I think that guy is going to cost significantly more than Tyler Toffoli did. I do. Uh, I think that a first-round pick will end up changing hands if when Kreider is dealt. And if it's the Bruins, if it's the Avalanche, if it's the Islanders, whoever it ends up being, I think that we're going to be talking about uh, a number one pick being dealt. And I don't think that that, from listening to the GM right there, I don't think that's necessarily in the cards. And I would suggest that Pajot in Ottawa, if he moves, probably very similar price to what the Canucks paid to bring in Tyler Toffoli. In fact, because he's a center, it might end up being a little bit more. And because we're talking about his uh, his numbers being in a pretty good spot and Pajot's numbers have gone up in recent years, Toffoli's numbers have gone down in recent years, that might also change it. So I don't think those type of players are necessarily in the cards. But what about some of the guys with term or guys who are expiring RFAs like or, or expiring contracts who will be RFAs? Those are the type of guys that I absolutely think that we could be talking about this team getting. So, again, are you going to get a lot from listening to a GM at this time of year? No, probably not, because they are going to be very close to the vest and very guarded with what they say. But... One more clip I wanted to play. I listened to the whole thing again this afternoon while I was getting ready for the show. Here's one more that I wanted to play from Brad True Living. Sounds like a guy with term is definitely something he'd be more interested in. He was asked yesterday about the need to go get a right winger and, and gave us a little bit more, not just on that, but on the overall philosophy of the team. One more from the general manager right here. The right wing position, if you look big picture at our team moving forward, you know we've changed that position over really from last year, right? And in some cases, free agency um, and so on and so forth. But um, it depends. It depends, right? When Elias Lindholm plays right wing, you've got more depth there than when he plays center, right? So you, you focus on the last 20-plus games or whatever we got left. Um, but you also are looking long-term and saying it's probably a position that we need to continue to upgrade moving forward so you're always looking at that whether we're going to be able to do that um, between now and Monday we'll see I mean everybody sees the market out there and uh, again from a rental perspective is there is there is there a lot of stuff that's going to move the needle I don't know in that position then you get into trades where you're talking about you know players with term again what's the cost there's some very good players you hear names all the time the teams that have them know they're really good players, and they usually are not giving them away. So what does that cost? And then depth on defense, again, what's the cost for that depth when you think you're going to be getting players back at a certain period of time? you got to manage that, right? And uh, so it's a, it's a little bit of a juggling act. And, uh, um, you know, we're, we'll, we'll do what we always do, which is try to be real 
um, aggressive in, in, in seeing what's available, um, seeing what those prices are, seeing if it makes sense, and if it, if it does, and we can get something done that makes sense, then we'll certainly do it. If we can't, then we won't. Is the last one I wanted to play. So basically, and, and again, this is me and my interpretation, because you're not getting a whole lot, maybe you interpret it differently, and that's very fair, and, and your interpretation probably is as fair or valid as mine. In fact, I know it's as fair or valid as mine, but I get the feeling from listening to him that if this team is going to do something, a rather inexpensive rental is something that I could see, something similar along the lines to Oscar Fantenberg a year ago when they didn't give up a ton. They gave up a draft pick, but it was a mid-round draft pick for a guy that was able to come in and help them a little bit with their defensive depth. And, you know, not knowing how long Travis Hamanick is going to be out for, they do expect him to be back, but, you know, maybe they feel like while Hamanick is out, that they need to go and bring in another right side depth piece and and so maybe they think about doing that and it cost them a a fourth round pick or a conditional third round pick or something like that that i could see but to give up the first to give up the prospect for a rental i don't see it however here are some of the names that i would be i'm not saying that these guys the flames are interested in or have had talks about but these are some of the names that would surprise me significantly less if the Flames were linked to or would end up acquiring. Kyle Palmieri, um, Vincent Trocek, Matt Dumba, Kasperi Kapanen, those type of players. Those are the type of guys that I would be a whole lot less surprised if the Flames ended up acquiring because they have term or are expiring RFAs. That's that's kind of how I read what I heard yesterday. 960-960 on the text line. Uh, your thoughts always welcome. By the way, welcome to Pinder and Steinberg on this Thursday afternoon. Got the day right. It's a good start to my day. Having the day right, that is a really, really important sign and a nice harbinger of things to come. This reads, if the Flames can add a rental with extra speed and size for the second, third, or fourth pick, I would do it. And again, First round pick being off the table wouldn't surprise me. In fact, that's kind of my feel right now when it comes to a rental. Ken Holland said basically the the exact same thing this morning when he spoke to media in Edmonton. I was listening to that live, and, and the GM of the Oilers said, yeah, first round pick for a rental is off the table. That's kind of the feel I get here with the Flames from, from sniffing around. Uh, this reads, do you think the Leafs and Flames could swing a deal? Kapanen for Brody. Probably not. I don't know if the, the Leafs are going to give up a controllable asset for a pending UFA. That would that would surprise me. This reads, Pat, sounded to me like Tree was saying he did want to bring in an impactful player. When he says he doesn't want a player who may or may not help your team, wouldn't that be referring to a lesser player as opposed to a high-end player? A high-end player is going to help you win. A lesser-end player may or may not. That comes from Lee. This reads, Kapanen, please. What would he cost, though? Um... I, I think that that would probably, you'd probably be talking about a first-round pick and something else to get a guy like Kapanen. But again, for a guy like that who's a pending RFA and a controllable, controllable asset, I, I don't think that's crazy. Um, like, I I don't think the first-round pick needs to be off the table necessarily. I just don't think it should be on the table for a rental. It, it would have to be somebody in that 24-year-old range that could be part of the team going forward. In that sense, um 
I could see it making a little bit, um, it could end up being a little bit more of a good bet for the Flames. Uh, Wedley writes, sometimes the best moves are the ones you don't make. The cost is way too high for guys who don't make it worthwhile. Uh, finally, this one from Luke. Uh, no intro music today. I feel like I've just held in a sneeze. Um, don't blame Riley. It was not Riley's fault there was no intro music. Um, our program from 2004 that we use called Vox Pro. It's a version one. I believe there's probably 30 versions now. Uh, it froze on him. It happens to do that about once a day. So that was not Riley's program problem. It was just a freezing of the program. That's why we had it's no fixed now. music. It is fixed now because Riley is a professional and uh, he made sure it got fixed while we, do it, while we were doing this segment. Welcome to Pinder and Steinberg. My name is Pat Steinberg. Let's hear from the head coach of the Calgary Flames because we're on the trade deadline front. We're having the conversation about the trade deadline and I thought that uh, Jeff Ward gave us some interesting insight today after the Flames practiced not a whole lot in terms of notes from practice Derek Ryan still questionable for tomorrow or a question mark anyway he's practiced the last two days he is eligible to come off IR for tomorrow's game against the Boston Bruins he's practiced but he hasn't practiced on his regular line he's been an extra forward the last two days that doesn't necessarily indicate what's going to happen tomorrow. It's just he is yet to be back on his regular line. Bennett has still been there. Uh, so we'll see what that ends up being like. Looks like Davidson will come back in from, for Yellison tomorrow. But not a ton of big-time news when it comes to the Flames at practice today. But here's Jeff Ward, who spoke this afternoon and started by answering what his approach is mentally, how he looks at the trade deadline at this time of year. In my position, you don't really think about it. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, at the beginning, I, I think players always sort of expect something may happen at the trade deadline. I mean, it's a it's a bit of a stressful time. You know, guys on teams that they like, they don't want to leave, and guys wonder if there's going to be something added to your room, you know, necessarily, or whether you're going to sell. And so there's a lot of stuff goes on around it. But from our standpoint. You know, you know the the most important team is the one that's going to be on the ice, and so we just worry about what we have in our room, and who we're going to coach, and how we use those people as best we can to, you know, to continue to produce results. So I don't try to I don't try to play like pay much attention to it, and I'll look at it at the end of the day and see who ended up moving where and who got what and sort of how that uh, may impact us a little bit. But all in all, I'm not too concerned about it as a coach. Going back to even in Boston and such, when you did add, when your GM did add someone of relative significance, how much can that boost the team? Oh, yeah, I can boost the team for sure. Yeah. Like when you know that uh, the GM has gone out and done something to make your team better, um, and you feel that your team is close, and you know you get that one or two people that may make a huge difference in terms of what happens for the rest of the season and into the playoffs, it does give you room some energy, definitely. Do you, does everyone still look at a team when Boston coming in here, you know, as a team that kind of is a real good benchmark for obviously the way they've been playing as of late, but just maybe the history there that you know so well and, and the way they do things within that organization? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're, uh, they put the same game on the ice every night and they're, they're real structured, they're real detailed, they've got good skill, you know, at every position on their lineup. Um, they're a they're a real good team when they're you know when they're playing their game and most nights they are so when you take a look at the leadership core in the Bruins and what that leadership core means to them and how they prepare their team to play um, it's second to none in the league and uh, 
that makes them ready every night and it makes them hard to play against just because of you know when the Bruins step on the ice that they're going to be ready and the leadership group there demands it the coaching staff demands it and uh the young players make sure that uh, you know they're ready to go. Jeff, you there. mentioned uh, in the, this time of year the room is insulated. You want to keep the room insulated, and it's the players' room at this yeah. point. Do you have to address the trade deadline with them at all and say just block out that noise, uh, or is that just something that's understood? Yeah, well, we you know we talk to our guys about it. I don't think guys should be paying much attention to what's being said on radio shows or in papers. That, you know, just myself, I don't even pick them up or turn them on. So it's. You know, I think that's a, an easy solution for the players. Uh, you know, it helps uh, keep the keep the room insulated a little bit, keep some of the noise to the outside. I mean, as a player, you you want to feel good coming to the rink. You want to make sure that uh, you know you're enjoying time with your teammates, and you you're really focused on what you need to do to make your team better on a daily basis. And so, any distractions that you can eliminate, um, I think, are are good. And we've talked to our guys about it just from the break. Like, let's just. You know, let's not listen to what's going on out there. Let's make sure that we're paying attention to what's happening in here. Um, and we just have to live up to our own expectations and, you know, what we've kind of set as standards for ourselves. And if we're going to do that on a daily basis, then, you know, we'll be in good shape. How much does a GM lean on a coaching staff when it comes to this? Kind of back to Eric's question. You've talked about the boost that it could provide. How much input will you be asked? Well, they certainly ask us, you know, what... Uh, what we feel we think that we need, if anything. Um, they take the information and then they, they do what they will with it. And uh, so, you know, we've, we sat down with Tree probably just after the, the All-Star break and we went through a lot of that stuff. Um, so he's got the information, you know, that, uh, or the feedback that, you know, that we provided. Um, and now he'll sit with his pro scouts and he'll sit with, his management team and they'll make decisions on what they want to do and so from now on it's out of our hands and you know, I think that's a good thing for the coaches and the players to be honest with you we want to be uh, you know business as usual every day and focused on what we can control and you know that stuff now is out of our hands and you know the management team will look after it. Coach Sam Bennett's found some success at center the last couple games are you guys considering keeping him there? Well he's played awful well there I mean he's a natural centerman we've got a lot of them and uh, he's come in and played extremely well. So, you know, if the if he continues to play the way he does and the production's still there, then we're going to have to take a long, hard look at it. Does it allow you to give Derek Ryan an extra day if he needs it? Or? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he uh, he said he felt better after this game yesterday, and once he sees our trainers today, we'll we'll uh, regroup with him and see where we're at with him, and then we can make decisions on what's going to happen tomorrow. When a team doesn't make a trade. Yep. What's the overwhelming feeling? You know, are people upset about it? Is there relief because everyone's still here? I guess every room's different. Every trade deadline's different. But can it have an adverse effect? I think so. You know, like if you got a really good team and the uh, the management team doesn't do anything, you know, I think what it says to the the group is that you know what we feel we're good enough to have a good long run. And so, you know, the management team's saying to the team, we we feel like we've got enough. We trust you guys and. You know, let's go. Um, I think if you're a team that's just on the outside looking in, or just there, and you know you got some injuries or whatnot, and nothing, nothing gets done. Maybe when guys are thinking, you know, maybe we need something to give us a little bit of a push, then I think it can be a, a you know, a negative distraction for a team, and uh, then you've got to sort of deal with that aspect of it before you, you know, before you get going again after the trade deadline. But you know, at the end of the day, it comes back to 
really what we can do as a group and as a team and how accountable we're going to be to each other, you know, how urgent we're going to be, how uh, prepared we are to do the dirty jobs that need to be done to win games at this time of year. So we just got to focus on what we can control. Everything else, you know, right now we can't. That's going to be up to Trey and the, and the management team for sure. That is the head coach, Jeff Ward, some of his thoughts on the upcoming NHL trade deadline as we are underway on Pinder and Steinberg this afternoon. Have to say big thanks to the folks at Hudson's Shaughnessy yesterday. They were outstanding as we were out there, Will Nault and myself, for the Hudson's Hot AF. I almost said what the AF stands for. Ooh, that would have been... I'm not even drunk, and I almost said it. Uh, the Hot AF Wings Contest yesterday. Uh, we were down at Hudson Shaughnessy. That place was buzzing yesterday for the contest. I think we had like eight different groups of eight come up and do it. Uh, it's kind of like a party atmosphere. Like we got the siren going. Uh, everybody crowds around while these yahoos. Uh, we had it was probably about equal females to males who were doing it yesterday. Like these yahoos all getting ready to eat these ridiculously hot wings, and then like some of these people dove right into the death wings. I want to say. More than half the people finished the wings yesterday, and from there, most people did the death wing. It was a very impressive performance. Here's the deal. Every Wednesday at all three Hudson's locations in Calgary, so Shaughnessy, Crowfoot, and downtown on 5th Street and 12th Ave, uh, you have got the opportunity to come and take part in the Hot AF Wing Contest. You've got two minutes to finish an order of 10 wings. Can't touch your face, can't have a drink, uh, nothing like that. Can't wipe your face off. Uh, you've got to do it for two minutes. You gotta finish. If you don't finish them in two minutes, you're still gonna win the first prize. Everybody who gives it a good college try is going to win wings for a year from Hudson's. Now, on top of that, if you do finish, you get the limited edition T-shirt, and if you finish the Death Wing, on top of that, you're gonna get a limited edition pin, and you're coming to the party on March 13th. Lots of free drinks, lots of free wings. So it's a really fun afternoon, uh, rather really fun evening. And next week, we're on location. Corey Sarich and Kelly Kirsch at uh, Hudson's Crowfoot. So uh, come to Hudson's Crowfoot. All three locations, though, have got this opportunity for you. It's a lot of fun. Like I really, It is a good time at the Hudson's Hot AF Wing Contest. Hudson's does it right. They're a great partner of ours. So get out there next Wednesday. Even if you don't want to have the hot as you-know-what wings, Eh, still drop in for Wing Wednesday because uh, Wing Wednesday has all 10 of Hudson's legendary wing flavors all day long. Good atmosphere, a lot of fun, and come on down to Hudson's next Wednesday. Crowfoot is where Kirsch and Sarich is going to be, uh, and we're going to be spreading around throughout February and March as to where we are on a Wednesday night. We are underway on Pinder and Steinberg this afternoon. Happy Thursday on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Pinder and Steinberg, Calgary Sports Talk in the Afternoon. Brought to you by Glenmore Audi, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. I like to think that we provide public service on this radio station, on this program, Pinder and Steinberg, and part of that public service is allowing you to win money uh, when you're placing bets on sporting events. That's that's why we bring in Ian McMillan from Odd Shark once a week. He joins us Thursdays at this time. Always with good advice on where to put your money down. Let's uh, say hello to Ian right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Mr. McMillan, how are you this Thursday? I'm doing fantastic, Mr. Steinberg. How are you doing? 
I'm good, man, and I'm excited because, look, you uh, you cover all sports, and an odd shark, if you're looking for expert odds and analysis and insight, it really is the place to go. But, man, the, for you, you specialize, and, and your baby is college basketball, and we're about a month away from the NCAA tournament getting going, March Madness, and uh, it is one of the most exciting times of the year in the world of sports. So this is something you specialize in. Uh, I follow you on Twitter. I see it all the time. I'm like, this guy is like, I've never heard of these colleges, and this guy is giving me uh, point spreads and money lines and over-unders. Like, this is your domain. So you've been diving into some of the tournament odds what do you like what jumps off the page to you about a month away from the tournament starting yeah you absolutely nailed it about call about college basketball man there's just something about the college game down in the states that i absolutely love i actually prefer it more than the nba believe it or not um but yeah you said it a month away from march madness and the big thing this year in college basketball is this is the most parody we've seen in college basketball in recent history right now kansas the jayhawks that's obviously one of the most known schools for college basketball in the States. They are the favorite right now at seven to one, but really anyone who gets in this tournament is going to be able to win it. You got Baylor. They're another team. They're right behind Kansas at eight to one. But at this point in the year, we're still a month away from March badness. I wouldn't bet on anyone in the top five to 10 on the odds list. So I've got a few that I'm looking at that have some value spots. If you're looking to place a bet to win March madness right now, First team I'm looking at, Michigan State. They're in it every single year. They have one of the very best coaches, and uh, Tom Izzo coaching them. They were all the way up to around 11-1 to 1 earlier in the season. Now is a good time to buy low on them because they've had a couple of, uh, of rough games recently. They've fallen out of the top uh, 25 in the AP ranking. So if you're going to bet on Michigan State, now is the time to do it. You can get them at 25-1. to 1. Another couple teams uh, with some long-shot odds that I think have a lot of great value. One of them is Villanova. Villanova is one of the top teams in the Big East. They have won it uh, in recent memory. They're at 35-1. to 1. They're coming off a big win last night over their conference opponent, DePaul. They absolutely smoked them by 30 points. Their big thing is that they can hit threes. Any team that can hit the three ball, they can get dangerous at any point against any team because if you get hot from beyond the arc, you can beat anyone. And then the third team I'm looking at with a little bit of longer odds is West Virginia at 40 to one. They have absolutely demolished a few teams this year. They're not a team that a lot of people are talking about. Um, the one thing that does worry me a little bit about West Virginia is they are a lot better at home. So once we get to March Madness and they're playing in those neutral site games, it's going to be interesting to see if they can bring that energy that they play with at home to those neutral site games. But at 40 to one, the way that their defense has been playing, I love West Virginia as well. So if you're looking at some some teams with some value, I've got Michigan State, Villanova, and West Virginia in college hoops right now. I like the Michigan State one a lot, and and it's when you're doing this when it's as volatile a tournament as this is, and I think in recent years it's been more volatile than it's ever been, like when you're talking about that, you, you need to find value picks, right? Like Because your chances of a, a number one seed going all the way and winning, it's not crazy by any means, but you're not getting a ton of value, and there's way too much risk that that's not going to happen. So if you're going to put some big money down, you want to find value. You want to find somebody that you know maybe isn't going to be one of those number one seeds. You want to find somebody that can have a shot at, at going deep and, and winning this thing, but maybe he's going to pay at 12 to 1 as opposed to something a little less, uh, a little less valuable, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. And then on the other side of things, what some people will do is they'll think, oh, it's anyone's tournament, so they'll take a shot at someone who's like 50 to 1 who's going to go into the, into the tournament like a 13 seed, 12 seed, something like that. Now, those bets are kind of fun. Every year there's always one or two Cinderella story teams that make a push. But you have to remember, once you get to the Sweet 16, the Elite 8, the Final Four, Beating one of those top-seeded teams is impressive, but beating you'll have to beat at least two, three, maybe four of those top teams in a row. So some of those lower-seeded teams, I mean, it's fun to watch them go on a run, but uh, if you want to bet on, a, on someone to win the whole thing, that's probably not smart either. So you're right. It's not, I don't think it's smart to bet on a number one seed right now, but it's not smart to bet on a, on a lower seed. You ought to find someone in like that two-seed, yep. three-seed, four-seed range. Uh, that's where the value uh, is really at. Okay, I'm looking forward to this part now. Let's just show off Ian McMillan's college basketball knowledge and how dialed he is in on this because you've got some games that you like tonight. Break down a few of these for us. Yeah, absolutely. So probably the best game of the night tonight is uh, number 20, Iowa's play. They are hosting number 25, Ohio State. My favorite bet for this game is going to be the under. The total is at 143.5. There's a couple of reasons why Ohio State is one of the most talented rosters in the country right now. Um, but what happens with Ohio State is that if you look at their offensive numbers when they play on the road, they take a big dip. So they're scoring more than 10 fewer points on the road as opposed to home. And then Iowa's defense is kind of the same story, but the opposite. Their defense is allowing almost 10 uh, fewer points at home compared to on the road, and Ohio State already has a top-10 defense uh, in the country. So I think defense is going to be a huge part in that game tonight. So I'm going to take the under 143.5. If you're looking to bet a side, Iowa is a minus 2.5-point favorite at home. I would lean them. They have one of the best players in the country this year, Luca Garza. Keep an eye out for him. I, he, I, I think he is the best player uh, in the country this year. So keep an eye out for him if you're going to watch that game tonight. Now, as, as you mentioned earlier, I, I tweet out my picks. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, so you'll see all my picks there. I think the best, if you're betting game by game during the regular season, the sports books set the lines very sharp on the top games of each night. So actually the best uh, games to bet on are some of the schools that you've never heard of. So that's usually where I focus a lot of my attention. Like right now, there's a bet that I love for tonight. It's between Hofstra and Drexel. I doubt anyone who's listening to this show has probably heard of either of those teams. Hofstra is a minus four and a half point favorite tonight against Drexel. And I think there's a lot of value on this because not many people bet on these smaller conference games. I like Hofstra to cover that spread. They're better every, every single aspect of the game, offense, defense. And a big thing that you want to look at in college hoops that you look at more there than you would at NBA is free throw shooting and Hofstra's very good shooting from the line because when it gets close to the end of the game, they foul all over the place just trying their best to get back in the game. And you want for a team to cover as a favorite, you want them to be able to hit those free throws uh, down the line. So I like Hofstra minus four and a half tonight. That would be my second favorite bet next to the Ohio State under game there. So Hofstra minus four and a half tonight against Drexel. I also like Jacksonville. Jacksonville Dolphins minus two and a half tonight at home to Lipscomb. They are a lot better of a rebounding team than Lipscomb, which is going to be very important. They have that home court advantage. They're also very good on defense as well. So Jacksonville Dolphins against Lipscomb 
would be my my third pick I would give I out. So it. how's that for a, a couple schools you've never heard of? I love it. It's outstanding. Um, <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. Uh, Ian McMillan's with us from Odd Shark. He joins us on Thursdays as part of Pinder and Steinberg. Okay, so college basketball, there's your baby, but uh, we've got some other big things to dive into, including a huge heavyweight boxing match this weekend. Uh, I know that the heavyweights have lost the luster over the last about 20 years, but Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, two from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, what can you tell us about where some eh, where's a good place to put some money on Wilder and Fury two this weekend? Yeah, I mean you nailed it. The last probably ten twenty years, the heavyweight division is not what it used to be. A lot of that was when the Klitschko brothers were kind of dominating the division, and because they kind of fought a boring style, they didn't know how to market itself. But the heavyweight division is on its way back. There's three heavyweight fighters. Anthony Joshua um, is the third, and then these two that are fighting um, this weekend, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. They fought last year. If anyone uh, remembers that, that fight ended in a draw. Tyson Fury was beating him, and then I believe it was the 10th round, Deontay Wilder knocked him out, or didn't knock him out, knocked him down. It looked like he was knocked out. Yeah, but he stood up, finished the fight. It ended up being declared a draw. So they're going to do a rematch here. Tyson Fury was actually the slight betting favorite, but over the last week, we've seen a lot of money come in on Deontay Wilder. So Deontay Wilder is now the minus 125 favorite. Tyson Fury, plus 105 underdog. The story of this fight is going to be basically the same. If it goes the distance, it's most likely going to be Tyson Fury. He's a very good point fighter. He knows how to box defensively. He knows how to get out of the way. But Wilder is the most dangerous human being on planet Earth. If he connects once, heavily on Tyson Fury that could end the fight right there so it really is a toss-up I lean Tyson Fury especially as an underdog because he was going to win that fight the first time around um, if he didn't get knocked down there in, in the 10th round that's probably what turned that into a draw so I think Tyson Fury he, he's learned Deontay Wilder a little bit more he's felt him out so in this fight I gotta lean Tyson Fury to not get knocked down to take this to the scorecards I'm going to take him plus 105. Okay, and you've also got some uh, good NHL insights for us. I'm kind of interested on on a couple of these ones. Uh, here we are, about three quarters of the way through the season in the NHL. Uh, you've done some research on the most and least profitable teams so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. So the most profitable, and now when I say profitable, what I mean is that if you were to bet on every single one of this t- uh, of of a team's games, kind of where you would be standing at. Um, as far as profit at this point in the season. The most profitable team is not going to come to a surprise to most people. It's the Washington Capitals. If you put $100 on every single Washington Capitals game this season, you'd be up just under $1,000. So pretty profitable there. One team that surprised me the most, because most of the teams in the top 10 are obviously the teams that are near the top of the standings, but the fourth most profitable team is actually the New York Rangers. Uh, which might come to a surprise to a lot of people, but they're winning a lot of games as an underdog, and people still, the sportsbooks still are undervaluing them. I believe, yeah, they were an underdog last night when they beat Chicago, uh, Chicago Blackhawks as well. That was a really good game. I don't, I don't know if you managed to catch that one, but that was a great game. So the Rangers, the fourth most profitable team, and then of course, if we're looking at the least most profitable teams, I mean, this is no surprise. The Detroit Red Wings are having one of the worst seasons in team history. Don't bet on the Red Wings. Don't bet on the Senators. The L.A. Kings are the third least most profitable team. 
Um, and of course, my poor Maple Leafs uh, are sitting there to the seventh least profitable team as well. So it probably no surprise to you as far as the least most profitable team, but the Rangers are pretty interesting. They're the fourth most profitable yeah. team, team. So if you're betting on the NHL, keep an eye out for the Rangers here uh, this last portion of the season. What about if you're playing if you're playing uh, the over under game when it comes to the NHL? Who have been the uh, best over and best under bets this year? Yeah, once again, not only are the Capitals the most profitable team just to bet on a side, they're also the um, the, the highest. They're hitting the over at the highest rate as well. A lot of goals. Um, they're obviously scoring a lot of goals. Ovechkin obviously one of the top goal scorers every single year. Um, their goaltending hasn't been fantastic as well, which has contributed to that. Brandon Holpe has not had a great year. Um, second on that list is the Panthers. And then, of course, my Maple Leafs are the third. Austin Matthews, I believe, is leading the league in goals right now, but their goaltending is absolutely terrible. I don't know what they're going to do with Freddie Anderson. He has a below 900 save percentage in the past couple of months. Um, but that's a whole other story. And then if we're, looking, if we're looking at the best under teams, it's the Dallas Stars right now. They have um, actually, they were one of the best under teams uh, last year as well. So they're very good defensively. They've got some great goaltending this year uh, from Ben Bishop. And then they've got the Blue Jackets, uh, the Bruins, the Coyotes, and then, of course, the Islanders as well. We know the Islanders play that defensive style of hockey as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, those uh, Capitals, Panthers, Maple Leafs, top over teams, if you're looking to bet some overs, if you're looking to bet some unders, Stars, Blue Jackets, Bruins, Coyotes, and Islanders. And finally, on the NHL slate on this Thursday night, any games that jump off the page to you from a betting standpoint? I mean, the thing that jumps off the page more than anything else is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have that rematch against the Penguins from that Tuesday night game where the Maple Leafs got absolutely embarrassed. I shut it off when it was 4-0. Um, surprisingly enough, and I did not expect this when I checked the odds board this morning, the Toronto Maple Leafs, despite getting embarrassed on Tuesday against the Penguins, they host the Penguins tonight and they're set as a favorite. Now, it's, they're not a huge favorite. It's minus 115 to the Penguins, minus 105. But what's interesting to me the most about this is that right around 85% of bets on this game are on the Penguins. And usually when you see a lot of bets being placed on one team, the odds seem to shift. But that's not the case. Even though the Penguins are getting 85% of the bets, they are still the underdogs. So that kind of tells me the sports books are confident in the odds the way they have them set right now. They think the Maple Leafs are the slight favorite tonight. I don't know if they should be. I'm not going to bet on the game myself. I'm going to stay away because I bet on my Maple Leafs on Tuesday night, and I regret it. So I'm just going to stay away and just watch the game. But, hey, if you think the Penguins can do uh, to the Leafs what they did on Tuesday night, you can back them as an underdog tonight. Good stuff, Ian. Where can we find you on Twitter, my man? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my Twitter is Ian S. so I-A-I-N-M-A-C. OS. I give out uh, my favorite bets for each day, and I give a little breakdown of why I like them. So check me out on Twitter, and of course, check us out at oddshark.com. Good stuff, buddy. We'll talk to you next weekend. Next week, rather. Sounds good, bet. Yep, take care. That's Ian McMillan from Odd Shark. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. I have things to give away. I have things that you can win. Uh, and I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to have some fun with this one because I've got two separate things to give away. I have got a four-pack of tickets for the next Calgary Roughnecks home game. It is the Superhero Party coming up on the 29th of February. So that is a week from Saturday at the Dome. It's the Roughnecks and the San Diego Seals. So it's a four-pack 
food and drink included in the saddle room for the game. That's a cool prize. Four-pack in the saddle room, food and drink included for the Roughnecks and Seals on Saturday. Take me. That would be a lot of fun. The other prize is a $50 gift card to Hudson's if you want to go down there, have some drinks, have some dinner, have some lunch, whatever the case may be. So I've got $50 at Hudson's, or I've got the Roughnecks four-pack with food and drink included. Now, here's the fun part. I'm going to ask you two trivia questions or a two-part trivia question on the text line at 960-960. You get to choose what prize you want to go in for. So if you answer one part of the prize, then you'll be going in for the Hudson's $50 gift card. If you go in for the other half of the prize, you'll be going in for the Roughnecks four-pack. And here's the kicker. I'm not going to take ones that answer both. So you got to answer which one. You either go for the $50 gift pack or you go for the Roughnecks four-pack. Only answer one, put your first and last name on the text, first one through on each, is going to be winning the specific prize. So here comes the two-part trivia question. The first part, for the Hudson's Hudson's $50 gift card at 960-960, what player did the Calgary Flames acquire at the trade deadline last year? What player did the Calgary Flames acquire at the trade deadline? That's for the Hudson's $50 gift card. For the Roughnecks four-pack, What team did they acquire him from? What team did the Flames acquire this player from? 960-960 on the text line. We will give you the answers when we come back. Pinder and Steinberg underway on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. so busy riles what do we got today well it's uh we're kind of all over the place today we'll start with the flames i got one for you is there one reasonable player that's been in trade talks that you think would benefit this flames team the most who are you trading for and what or who would be going the other way making me work here hey um so in terms of a player that that has been in trade talks that I think would be a nice acquisition for the Flames, huh, I I like the idea. Uh, like if, if they're going to go get somebody, the guy that I, I think I'd be most interested in would be uh, Kyle Palmieri in New Jersey. Uh, I think that guy would fit exactly what they're looking to do here. He is not a rental. He's got one year left on his deal. He's 29 years old, so we're not talking about a guy who necessarily is on the way down uh, and I think would be able to be an impactful player on this team for the rest of his contract. So I would say Palmieri would be the guy, and if that price were to be a first and a prospect, you know, kind of a mid-range prospect, I think I'd be okay with that. So that, that that would be the one that would jump off the page to me most. All right. I, I like that one, too. I think he, I agree with you that he would probably benefit this team the most out of everyone who's been ta- thrown about, I guess. Yeah, this and I don't, know, I don't know how, you know, how much of a chance there is that the Flames would be able to acquire him. I really don't. But, you know, just pie in the sky, yeah, he'd be the, he'd be the and I think it's somewhat realistic, uh, he'd be the guy for me. All right, uh, switching to CFL, I guess. Uh, the XFL has now taken three Big names or mm-hmm. former big names from the CFL. S.J. Green, Derek Dennis, and Armonte Edwards mm-hmm. all headed to the XFL. Do you think the CFL has to be worried about this? Um, Not yet. 
because I mean, you take a look at the CFL free agency this year, and and it was you know we're still talking about plenty of of big names who stayed in the CFL, and and so I don't think this is something that they need to be worried about. Um, because I'll I'll give the CFL credit; they have they have dealt with other leagues before, and the threat of players leaving for other leagues before they had players leave for the AAF. Now I do believe the XFL is going to be a far larger and long-term threat than the AAF was but what it comes down to is the the actual uh, what it comes down to is the actual ability that teams have to pay guys and and I still think that the top guys are probably going to get more in the CFL so I think that top guys are going to stay in this league if they can't get shots in the NFL you know SJ Green and Armonte Edwards are players that I, I don't think were as coveted as they would have liked to be in the CFL, so they went to the NFL. I mean, I don't think S.J. Green was going to get the money he was looking for in the CFL, so decided to pounce on a shot uh, south of the border. And the same is true for Armonte Edwards. As for Derek Dennis, I've always felt that Dennis has, this is not a criticism of him, but he's always gone looking for the best possible dollar. Um, and for a guy like him who is is a decent, is a very good offensive lineman, but I think is a replaceable sounds sounds derogatory it's not what i mean but he's not a guy that you have to have there are plenty of other american o linemen that can do what derek dennis does that play in the cfl so again these guys were all guys that weren't getting the type of interest and the type of potential dollars in the cfl so they went to the xfl so i still believe the xfl is still very much a second place for players right now so i don't think as of yet that this needs to be something the cfl is worried about yeah, if it was someone like Bo Levi Mitchell going to the XFL or a bigger name, I think. Or, or even if it was one of the top, like if, if Willie Jefferson yeah. or Dylan Wynn or somebody like that went to the XFL as as a top flight free agent in the CFL, yeah, that would be a little bit more worrying. If Darrell Walker were to end up in the XFL, that would be a little bit more of a, oh boy. that's but And, and this is no knock on the players that went, but Green, Edwards, Dennis are probably on the other side of their high-end CFL careers, yeah. right? And and now they're trying to play, not they're trying to chase what they possibly can in the XFL. I've got, I, I don't hold it against them in the slightest. I just don't think it's something that the CFL needs to be overly worried about right now. All right, and uh, we'll go to the NFL now. More football talk. What do you yeah, think maybe. about the uh, fourteen-team playoff expansion and seventeen-game regular season pitches that the NFL is uh, throwing around right now? I love them. I love them, and I the the seventeen-game regular season just makes sense. Um, there's no reason why they need to have four preseason games in the NFL. I know that this is something that uh, needs to be collectively bargained, and I know that uh, this is something that. Uh, they're going to have to give something up for the players to be okay with that. But I, I, I like that idea. More regular season football, the better. And to add a playoff team, there's a lot of teams in the NFL and a lot of good teams or, or competitive teams that end up missing every year. Um, to add one more spot, it just adds more meaningful football in weeks 15, 16, 17. I'm all for it. The same way I was, you know, I'm all for more baseball teams making it. Right now, 12 of 32 make it in the NFL. 14 of 32, That's I, I like that way better. So I, I'm a big fan of both of them. I'm all for both of them going through. I hope they do. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you there. Uh, it should be near half teams making the playoffs. 
in yeah. my opinion. So yeah, twelve of thirty two is just a little on the low side. And uh I could care less about I couldn't care less about yeah, there I it is. Care less, um yeah. <laughs> about four preseason NFL games. I wish they'd go down to two, honestly, like but like Give us 18 and, and yeah. two. I'd be okay yeah. with that. This is a good compromise, though, to go from 16 yeah. and four to 17 and three. I'm I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, so. There are your three burning questions on this Thursday. Nice job, Riles. We didn't do it for the first two days. You brought it. I, I like it. Uh, don't forget to tune in Mondays for the Eric Francis Show, 9 till 10 a.m., brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Thoroughbred Racing has an annual economic impact of $399 million and positively affects almost every Alberta community. Learn more at thehorses.com. Bruins in town tomorrow. They're curling today, and the trade deadline is four days away. We've got a lot to talk about. We'll do that next. Pinder and Steinberg kicks off in moments. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.